A Star to Steer By Chapter 5 The enemy Jaffa were persistent, if not very efficient. Jack heard faint voices two more times, and once the general's group had to hunker down behind a fallen tree and some tall bushes to avoid a search party. But the drenching rain was dampening the enemy's effectiveness along with everything else. A good thing, too. There must have been at least a dozen enemy Jaffa in the search party. The general's group was larger, but it wasn't about being able to take them all down. If this group went missing, it would tell the rest of the forces where to concentrate their search. Jack might have been grateful for the rain, except it never stopped for more than an hour or two at a time. It wasn't freezing, but it was cold enough to suck the heat right out of him, leaving him half-numb as well as exhausted and aching. He couldn't make out the helmet designs well enough to figure out what bright bulb observed that it must be a rainy season, though he plotted a bit of metaphorical revenge anyways. It kept him warm, or at least able to pretend, and they kept marching on. By the end of their first 24 hours, Jack had, reluctantly, decided that whatever the hell these guys were, they weren't the usual Jaffa. There was none of the subservience, the unthinking obedience that he was used to. He even tried pointing at some stripe of jackalope squirrel thing, which was several sizes too large for any kind of tree rat, and yelling, Cree! He got stared at, and then someone decided to look where he was pointing. There was some baffled mutters, but no shooting. Even Teal'c still twitched, even if it was just around the eyes when he heard that. The kicker was that there seemed to be a collective shrug, and he had to put up with the not-squirrel things being called Cree after that. The snake, the general, didn't seem to expect any impossibilities or special treatment. They all shared the same god-awful granola bar things that tasted way too much like Daniel's favorite incense, and the general even slogged through the mud with the same resigned look of any soldier Jack had seen on a forced march. The host, sometimes when Jack caught a glimpse of his face, the eyes were brown, not blue, never claimed a helmet, and he and Spark swapped off who carried Seventeen's face. They all foraged as they marched, snagging twigs with berries that looked potentially edible. Sleep was caught in snatches, catnaps when the drizzle let up long enough to pretend that they could be drier and less mud-coated. Early on what was probably the third day, someone with the oh-so-fortunate name of Boyle even tagged something that wasn't quite a lizard, wasn't quite a deer, and was altogether too fucking large. Still, meat was meat, and the Jaffa seemed to do an ordinary amount of bitching about carrying the not-a-deer parts. They didn't have to complain long. Hardly ten minutes later, as Jack trudged after a guy ahead of him, 
the light disappeared almost completely. It took Jack's exhausted mind a moment to realize that they'd walked into a cave. They'd found a decent tunnel system going into some of the rocky hillside they'd been following for a while. Jack trudged a few steps further in, following the trickle of water that had collected into not a tiny stream, which was probably the reason that the tunnel existed in the first place. Kenobi, looking as bedraggled and unguauled as possible, stood in the center of a semicircle that formed almost naturally as the last few guys came in from the rain. It's not the most comfortable spot in the world, but it's uninhabited and shouldn't flood, and the water's only coming in from the one direction. Someone should set up a latrine area, keep the water clean for drinking, someone see to the meat, and everyone else get some sleep. Grab ration bars from Brake's supplies if you need food. I've got the watch. There was a quiet, relieved murmur, and Waxer stood up to pick the short straws for actual work. Someone plastered a few stripes of some luminescent green glowy shit on low points in the cave, either as a warning sign of a low bridge or for actual light. Several guys dumped some soaking wood down in the clear area, while some kind of flares were unloaded from hard backpacks a few of the soldiers wore. The flares didn't provide much light, but whatever the hell it was, it was warm, and Jack was glad enough to huddle close to it and the drying wood that would presumably replace it once that shit was dry. Nobody else seemed to be freezing, so either those black bodysuits were well insulated, or these guys came from some frozen wasteland of a planet. Within half an hour, the only one vertical was Kenobi, seated on a rock near the entrance in a lotus position, eyes closed and face serene. If the snake's own life hadn't depended on it, Jack would have assumed the general was sleeping. Jack was staring at that as he fell asleep, wondering, yet again, what the hell was with these guys? Jack came awake hard, eyes snapping open even as his brain caught up with a fabulous collection of annoyed curses in more languages than he could keep track of. He discreetly checked the watch near his face, and he blinked. A good six hours. The only reason he was awake was because the soft murmur of voices was in the wrong languages. His hindbrain had recognized fellow soldiers moving about, taking care of business, and generally trying to collect themselves after the really, really sucky part of an op. Please don't be too evil. He sighed and sat up, stretching the kinks out of muscles that still thought they should be marching. There were still some fellas knocked out, which was reassuring. The rest, though, had efficiently made themselves at home. A bunch had stripped off armor and had been working hard at clearing away the mud, gun damage, and random crap that had collected on the buff white material. Some others were standing guard near the cave entrance, facing outward and looking like they were actually pulling real sentry duty, not just being pretty bookends. No matter what the state of anyone's armor, 
every last weapon he could see had already been meticulously cleaned. No, really, please don't be evil. That would suck. One of the guys walking by was down to the bodysuit, a high-necked footy pajama setup that should have looked ridiculous, but the low mohawk and sideburns somehow managed to counterbalance it. He was carrying several of their ration bars, and when he saw Jack, he hesitated, shrugged a little, and held one out to him. Here, the fellow said quietly. We're waiting on the meat for when everyone's reasonably conscious. If they're sleeping still, then they need the rest. Thanks. Jack took it with a polite tilt of the head, then sighed as he unwrapped the covering. Don't suppose I could get one with less sandalwood? At the blank look, he shook his head. Never mind. Thanks. He tried to keep the salute as unmocking as possible, then started gnawing on the damn thing. It gave him a good opportunity to scope out the Gua'uld. The general had claimed what might laughably be called an alcove, and was seated with someone with a mostly shaved head who was holding some kind of oversized graphing calculator thing. There were three piles of foliage next to the Gua'uld. Jack leaned a little to the side to get a better view, squinting in confusion. A glimpse of red made him realize that the foliage was the berries and other scavenged food stuff. He was a little surprised to find that he was disappointed. He'd thought they'd be doing a more egalitarian approach to the foraged food, and finding the gold was... He blinked. The Gua'uld was turning green and spitting out some dull brown berries while vigorously shaking his head. Kinda shaved head made a face and nudged a branch from one of the smaller piles towards the largest. The hell? He muttered, taking an absent-minded bite as he tried to figure out what was going on. Checking for poisons. A soft voice, the same damn soft voice, if he was going to be honest, which was still damn creepy, declared from behind him. Jack made the turn and raised a brow, looking casual, not like he wanted to reach for the zat he hadn't been allowed to keep. What? The guy behind him was mostly in armor, yellow-trimmed. The helmet next to him had some kind of stylized Y-shape over the left eye slit, and the right side had what looked like a kill count of hash marks over and around a light gray design. It was either some kind of exotic dagger or a two-bladed crab spaceship thing. The guy had dark hair, just long enough to be tugged back into a tight, low ponytail and a surprisingly patient expression. A Jedi's not going to get poisoned the way we would. If a taste doesn't make him sick, he can also tell if there's likely to be long-term effects. Jedi, Jack repeated, trying to wrap his head around the new vocabulary, 
since that was easier than trying to get his brain around the notion of a Gua'uld playing taste tester for his Jaffa. Yeah, General Kenobi. Wait, the Gua'uld? The soldier blinked. What's that when it's at home? The, the brain snake. Jack rubbed the back of his head, not sure how to communicate evil mind-controlling psychopath parasite with a god complex. The man gaped at him like Jack had just insulted his sister, then scrubbed a hand over his face. Well, that's a new one. I'm... Okay, look, it's pretty clear you're not a fan, but the war's over. I don't care if you're a sep, a conscientious objector, or a god's damn pirate, as long as you keep in mind that we're all in this mess together. How about we stick to Jedi? Or Gould, if you insist. Three syllables. Gould. With an A in the middle. Sure. You're telling me he's making sure shit is edible? The man grinned. You really don't have much experience with Jedi, do you? Oh, killed a few. Raw, if that name means anything to you. Keep fighting them. Kick some serious sneaky ass. No, I'm clueless. Jack bit back what was probably not the smartest comment to make to a Jaffa and shrugged. Apparently not. He do this sort of thing often? The man rolled his eyes. More often than we'd really like. Beryl, by the way. He held out a hand, which Jack shook with more reluctance than he wanted to show. Fellow looked a little surprised then returned the gesture once before sliding his hand forward into a wrist clasp. Jack. Beryl blinked and tilted his head. Really? Just Jack? He asked, sounding way too interested. Not since I was ten, thanks. No, but look... I already have one crazy Jaffa calling me Jack O'Neill all the time, so I try and keep it simple. Ah. Weirdly, the man didn't look disappointed. Instead, he just nodded. Okay, so what's a Jaffa? Hang on. Why do you care what my name is? Do you want rank and serial number two? Huh. If he was this defensive and cranky, he should have just tried for more sleep. Not likely to happen, but it might have been nice. Damn if Beryl didn't look intrigued again. Sure, what militia? Congratulations, you've officially made this the weirdest conversation I've had all week. And with friends like mine, that's saying something. Jack gave him a casual half-salute. Colonel Jack O'Neill, United States Air Force, Earth. Did that actually tell you anything? Fella looked way too amused. If you're using the term right, you outrank me. Jack was still trying to process that when he saw Beryl's eyes flick over his shoulder. 
Jack was already turning to find mostly shaved head guy with the graphing calculator thing approaching them, eyes on him. Here we go. Excuse me, the man declared, clearly not caring too much if he interrupted. General would like to talk to you. Jack grinned at Beryl, who didn't seem to think this was a big deal. Wish me luck. Kyoashi, the man declared, giving him a little nod. Well, Jack gave mostly shaved head guy a look. That was nice, I think. The general was leaning back against the wall of his alcove, looking greener than before and like a guy suffering his first major hangover. Jack decided protocol could take a leap, and he sat down on the outcrop that mostly shaved head guy had been using as a seat. Howdy. The Gua'ul didn't move or open his eyes. The voice was more cultured, slightly higher-pitched one, though. How in the blazes did you fake ignorance of basic that well? Basic what? The Gua'uld cracked open an eye. The language that we're speaking right now. Galactic basic. He'd had enough time to work through weird brain shit, but he had a pretty good idea where he'd picked up a different language, but... You mean this isn't ancient? The other eye opened, and Jack earned himself a look. It's fairly old, yes, but I have a sneaking suspicion that you mean something else. Jack snorted. Yeah, the language. That's what we're speaking right now. Ancient. The Gua'uld sighed and ran his hands over his face. Fantastic. You don't even call it... Look, where are we, exactly? <sighs> Hell if I remember the name of it. And it's not like we ever found any locals. I don't know what they'd call the planet. The general actually rolled his eyes at him. No, not the name of... I doubt that would do us much good anyway. I meant, where in the galaxy? I can tell from the stars we're not anywhere near the core, but are we mid-rim? Outer rim? Jack couldn't keep his eyebrows from climbing up pretty far. Not only did the terms make no sense, he was pretty sure everyone there thought this was as common as Jedi. You guys get around, huh? The Gua'uld gave him a flat look, then he sighed. You have no idea where we are, do you? Not Kansas, that's for sure. Look, we do gate travel. I can write down the gate coordinates of where we are if that helps. It wasn't like it could compromise things any further. Gate? The circle? You regularly travel by wormhole? Jack had no idea what the hell to think about a Gua'uld sounding both skeptical and impressed by gate travel.
he decided to toss in another breadcrumb and see what happened. Hey, we're Tari. Using a stargate is a thing we do. Why? How do you get around? Star cruiser, usually. Kenobi blinked and shook his head. I thought hyperspace was considered the only reliable means... He shook his head again, as if to clear the weirdness out. Well, we'll have to talk more about that at some point. So you never did say how you were faking ignorance. What the hell? There hadn't been the faintest reaction to, to Ari. That made no sense. I wasn't faking, he protested automatically, trying to figure out if he'd run across the universe's most ignorant Gua'uld or whatever. I just didn't remember it yet. He couldn't help but feel that the look he got saw a lot more than he liked. The general finally grinned a little. There's a very strange story behind that, isn't there? Oh, I wouldn't say strange. Kinda odd, maybe. Damned if the Gua'ul didn't laugh. And it wasn't the usual creepy laugh that probably involved blood and or torture. It sounded... human. <laughs> We've got to trade stories sometime then. Fuck. Gua'ul didn't do senses of humor. Jack couldn't stop himself from staring. The host tilted his head and raised a brow. What? Do I have something in my teeth? I thought I got rid of all the foliage. The stare graduated to boggling. Yeah, a sense of humor. The general snorted, and as dry as Jack could be, he shook his head. Force offend. Quick, how do I get rid of that? Jack held up a hand. Excuse me. I need to reboot my brain. A look of faint curiosity flashed across the man's face. Then he grinned and pointed. Latrine's over there. That should give you some privacy. Stop that! Fuck all if the grin didn't widen into a smile. What? Cracking jokes! That's just unnatural! This time, the eye roll was exasperated. Oh, please, don't tell me you're one of those people that think Jedi are perpetually serious types that wouldn't know a joke if it tripped them. He paused, looking a little contemplative, then he shrugged. Admittedly, some of us aren't good at making jokes, but that's what alcohol's for. Jack could not stop staring. Fuck! He hated that he wanted to like this snake. The weird Jaffa- well, that was no surprise, but a Gua'uld? He pointed at the host. You're now the most fucked up conversation I've had. 
Oh, what is your problem? One of the soldiers passing by had stopped, turning to glare at Jack. He was one of the boys in blue, helmetless and head-shaved with some strange glyphs tattooed on his head. Damned if the Guaul didn't sigh and hold up a hand. It's all right, Charger. With all respect, sir, it's not. The man crossed his arms and glared challengingly at the snake. We're stuck here because of him, and he's acting like you're some evil demon out of a youngling's tail? There's nothing right about that. Several of the nearest soldiers turned to listen in, their body language just as defensive, protective as the outspoken man's. Yet the snake just shrugged, expression stoic. It happens, Charger. There are millions of beings who never met a Jedi, and not all the stories about us are complimentary. He grinned, expression turning wry. We do tend to be a bit scary sometimes. A bit scary? Jack knew it would be smarter to shut up and listen, but he could not let some Gua'uld sit there and carp on holier than anything. His big, fat mouth earned him a raised brow and a challenging look, which ticked him off, but was better than the blow he still more than half expected. Yaha, sure, because enslaving entire planets is only a bit scary. What you do for encores? What the- what are you talking about? Charger sputtered, taking an aggressive step forward. More of the soldiers were shamelessly listening in, expressions ranging from incredulous to stoically blank. Okay, I don't know what you call yourselves, but you are all the weirdest Jaffa I've ever run across. Charger's eyes narrowed and his hands clenched into fist. You got a problem with clones or something? The hell does Jaffa mean? Minions! Jack half-roared, arms flailing a little. You're soldiers, competent soldiers, and you take orders from that fucker. He jabbed a finger at Kenobi, who blinked and pulled back. If his eyes hadn't been blue, Jack would have sworn the snake had retreated to leave his host to deal with shit. How the hell do you miss the planetary domination, crush rebellions beneath gold-plated boot heels memo? There was a very awkward silence, broken by someone in yellow, waxer, muttering, I don't even know where to start with that one. There may be a grain of truth, Kenobi finally ventured. There usually is, after all, but stories also tend to grow in the telling. Perhaps a diplomatic incident gone bad a few generations ago? A few? What the hell did I do to get the universe's most ignorant Gua'uld ever dumped in my lap? 
who do you think was trying to kill us on that ship? The snake blinked and leaned forward, going from politely uncomfortable to hawk-sharp in an instant. Are you trying to tell me that was a Jedi's... No, not possible. Very possible, Jack declared flatly, crossing his arms and trying to get his cool back. Kenobi shook his head, looking baffled of all things. No, there are some Jedi who went missing in action during the war, but I do not believe any of them could have fallen so far so quickly. He snorted. I know you guys look at time differently, but thousands of years ain't quick to the rest of the universe. The general kept staring blankly. Then he pinched the bridge of his nose and sighed. Force, we are talking past each other. He looked up and held Jack's eyes. Look, you're clearly a soldier. I understand there are certain things you won't discuss for security reasons. But please, if it's not sensitive information, could you tell me everything you know about these Jedi you've run into? A Gua'uld just said please to me. And sounded sincere. Seriously, what reality am I in right now? Some of it was the novelty. Some of it was doing that little reputation shining for the Ta'ari could never hurt. And yes, some of it was that stupid little please. Jack started talking. He began with Ra, ancient Egypt and Abydos. He tried to keep calm about Sha'ari and Chakra and Teal'c. He didn't know what the hell to do as jaws dropped fast and hard, then clenched tight in rage he could almost understand. Some of the soldiers, clones, really, looked ready to charge right back and take the fight back through the gate, and he could almost hear the words abomination tossed around in furious little mutters. It both was and very much was not reassuring. On the one hand, that was again not the usual Jotha thing. On the other, this kind of loyalty was either earned under hard fire, or these Jotha were so seriously brainwashed that the odds of clearing any of their minds up were slim to none. This wasn't Teal's fear for his family held hostage, suffering under generations of slavery. This was, I like my boss, and someone is fucking with him, so now they need to be stopped hard. There would be no prying these guys away from their snaky overlords by dangling freedom and rebellion in front of them. Most telling, and terrifyingly of all, was Kenobi's reaction. The Gua'uld was the first to gape, the one looking the most disturbed and offended. He looked so damn human, 
horrified and outraged at the atrocities that were all in a day's routine for Moskua'uld. He was finally sitting back, shaking his head in disgusted bewilderment with a hint of rage behind those blue eyes. Let me get this straight. These Gua'uld have been passing themselves off as gods for thousands of years. Yep. The man looked away, shaking his head. The council is going to have Vorpax. Fuck Vorpax, Waxer muttered. It's going to be Rancors. That got a faint snort of amusement from the snake and a look. I was going for understatement. So was I. Kenobi gave another little snort, then shook his head and sobered with brutal swiftness. Any communication officers here? A guy in blue raised his hand. Ringo, sir. Kenobi nodded to him. Throw everything we've got into trying to get a hold of Anakin, the fleet, anyone Republic-affiliated, and quickly as possible. I don't care if we have to send up smoke signals. The Council has got to get this information. There was a quiet rumble of sirs. Then the general turned back to Jack. Thank you for the discussion. We obviously have a lot to talk about. But right now, I need to confer with my men. It almost bothered Jack that it was easy to give a nod, give a casual salute, and go back to a warmer spot near the flare. It really bothered him that it hadn't bugged him a hell of a lot more. End of chapter notes. Vorpak. A small, fluffy predator, kind of like a trivel with teeth. Rancor, a predator large enough to eat humans. Luke Skywalker almost gets eaten by one in Jabba's palace.